Joe Biden is running out of options. He can't keep hiding from the American people. That hurts his poll numbers. But he can't keep talking either, because that also hurts his poll numbers. He can no longer talk about Afghanistan, immigration, the economy, abortion, election integrity, or even the coronavirus, which used to help his poll numbers, but now, like all those other issues, hurts them. So the only thing he's got to help boost his popularity is to stoke fears of the sun monster. For decades, uh, scientists have warned of extreme weather uh, would be more extreme, and climate change was here, and we're living through it now. We don't have any more time. I hope no one, uh, I've, I've been on the telephone or on the road uh, an awful lot uh, between uh, California, Idaho, uh, New Orleans, uh, excuse me, not New Orleans, Louisiana, but in New Orleans, Mississippi, and, uh, you know, here. I mean, every part of the country, every part of the country is getting hit by extreme weather. And uh, we're now living in real time what the country's going to look like. Now, wait a second. If climate change is already here and we're out of time and there's no way to prevent it, then I guess there's no point talking about it. So, so even climate change, that old Democrat boogeyman, even that doesn't look like it can save Joe Biden because it's too late. It's over. It's not just Joe Biden in trouble. California Governor Gavin Newsom may get thrown out of office. The head of the largest LGBT lobby just got ousted over a sex scandal, just like the previous head of the LGBT lobby. And Dr. Fauci is facing potential criminal charges. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Mary Jane Chambers who observes, when Harris said that she and Biden are people of faith, she didn't say which faith. Well, that's the key. You have hit on the key here because everybody's got to serve somebody. Everybody is a person of faith. The question is, which faith? To whom do you say your prayers at night? And what do you do after you say your prayers at night? If you're asking me, I check out MyPillow. MyPillow is a good conservative patriotic company. I like them for, a lot of us like them for that. But their products are so great. I think I would support them even if they were run by the Taliban. I would. That's how good their products are. You all know about the, the pillows. But what about the Giza Dream bed sheets? They look and feel great. It means a great night's sleep. They're founded right from the world's best cotton. It's called a Giza. Ultra soft, breathable, durable. They come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. They come with a 10-year warranty. It could be a 100-year warranty. You're not going to return them. They're that great. They come in a variety of sizes and colors. MyPillow's latest incredible deal, it's the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll receive a set for as low as $49.99. I love all my MyPillow products. Head on over right now, MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener's square. Use promo code DAILYWIRE. There you will find not only this amazing offer, but deep discounts on all MyPillow products, the mattress topper, the MyPillow towel set, so much more. You can call 1-800-651-1148. Use promo code DAILYWIRE or just go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use promo code DAILYWIRE. Joe Biden cannot even fear monger on the sun monster correctly. The, the way you fear monger on the sun monster is you, you always say 
that the devastating effects are just a little bit into the future and we can still prevent them, but time's running out. They've been saying this since the 1970s and they've changed the specifics about what's going to happen. So initially it was going to be an ice age and it was global cooling, and but there's still a little bit of time, but time is running out. And then it became global warming and it's going to get really, really hot, and t- but time is running out. And then it became climate change, which was unfalsifiable. And it was it's going to happen in 12 years, 10 years. Prince Charles said it was going to happen in 18 months. He said that several years ago. So I guess we're already past the point of no return, according to, to Prince Charles. AOC is a little bit smarter than the future King of England. Uh, she, she put it a l- little bit further into the future. So I think we're still, what, eight or nine years away from the AOC apocalypse. But Joe Biden, he can't even do it right. He puts it in the past. He says, we, yeah, we're already out of time. Well, if we're already out of time, then who cares, Buster? Well, I, Joe Biden cannot even name the sorts of extreme weather that he's fear-mongering about. You know, the looks like a tornado, they don't call them that anymore, that hit the crops and, and wetlands in the middle of the country and in Iowa and Nevada. And I mean, it's just across the board. Now, listen, I know that political correctness is getting extreme. I know that we're changing all of the words. I just wrote a book on it. But we can't, we can't call tornadoes tornadoes anymore. What, what do we have to call them? Some have suggested it's, it'll be like torn, tornadex, you know, like they did with Latino, Latin, Latinx. It's going to be tornadex. You just take away all of the vowels and then you've got, but I don't know what, what is he thinking of? He's not thinking of very much is the problem with him. So the climate change thing is not going to work. Afghanistan, obviously, that's a terrible issue for the Democrats. All of these issues are really not working. One other area where they're, tr- they're trying to fearmonger a little bit is abortion. They're really focusing in on Texas, which they have acknowledged to be the sacrament of liberalism. That's, that's why they're teaming up with the satanic temple in Texas. But it, it's not just Joe Biden who's, who's messing up this fearmongering. Even the New York Times did that. The New York Times are trying to scare everyone into submission over the abortion law, but they're actually, as they do it, they're undermining their own argument. I've got to give credit here to Mary Margaret Olihan over at the Daily Caller. Have you, have you ever heard a more beautifully Catholic name than that? Mar- Mary Margaret Olihan. That's a beautiful Catholic name. Uh, she pointed out something uh, right when this article came out, and I can't believe it got past the copy editors. This is the New York Times article talking about the Democrats expanding the welfare system. From cradle to grave, Democrats move to expand the social safety net. Now, here's right underneath the headline. The $3.5 trillion social policy bill that lawmakers begin drafting this week would touch virtually every American at every point in life from conception to old age. (laughs) You catch that? So the the argument for abortion is that the baby is not a baby, the fetus is not a human life, even if the fetus becomes a human life in the third trimester, say. Or even, oh my gosh, we're going to be really conciliatory. We're going to say it's in the second trimester. Certainly, it's not at the point of conception. Why then, the, the, the baby, as you call it, he's just a zygote. He's a clump of cells. He's non-human. He's non-living. Don't you dare call that a human life. Unless you're the New York Times and you accidentally slip up. Every point in life from conception, which is now 
the New York Times is acknowledging, which is a part of life. Okay, so we've established that the unborn baby from the very moment of conception, all the way back before he was the tiniest little zygote, right at that moment, is a life. What kind of life is he? Is he a giraffe? Is he a platypus? No, he's a human. So the New York Times, frame this, put this on your wall. I mean, they're probably going to just stealth change the headline and not tell anybody about it. But we should frame this up. The New York Times admits human life begins at the moment of conception. So now they're in this problem. They're saying, yeah, we acknowledge human life begins at the moment of conception. We just think you ought to be able to kill innocent people, the most vulnerable people among us. That's what Joe Biden said, by the way. That's his official line now. He says, look, or uh, rather, I'm sorry, that, <laughs> that was his official line until about a week ago. His official line was, I believe that life begins at the moment of conception. I accept the church's teaching on this, but I think we should still be able to kill the babies. Only last week did he descend into formal heresy and say, I don't agree with the church on that. It's a scientific reality, though. Even the Times admits it. Speaking of scientific reality, do you remember, it was about a month or two ago, Rand Paul grilled Dr. Fauci specifically over whether or not Dr. Fauci had funded or supported in any way gain-of-function research, period, but specifically in the Wuhan Institute of Virology where the coronavirus sprang from. Gain-of-function research is where you take naturally occurring viruses and beef them up, make them deadlier, make them more transmissible. Dr. Fauci says, absolutely not. Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Do they fund Dr. Barrick? We do not fund... Do you fund gain, Dr. Barrick's gain-of-function research? D- Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina, not You don't think inserting in a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain-of-function? That is not... You would not, be in the minority because... At least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. And if you look at the grant and you look at the uh, progress reports, it is not gain of function. Now, you could tell Fauci's real nervous here. You You could hear it because he messes up his grammar. He said... It is, does not, and it, if it, and he also has an error in logic here where he says, we are not funding gain-of-function research. And all the gain-of-function research we're funding is totally fine. You say, well, uh, hold on, which is it? <laughs> you're not, you're not funding it? or Well, if, you know, look, and it may be, look, we're not doing it, but even if we were, it'd be North Carolina. Well, there's a new report out from The Intercept that says, that basically nothing in Fauci's statement was true. He lied through his teeth. They funded gain-of-function research. They funded it at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You know, we're talking about specific matters of life here. And so, makes perfect sense that we ought to talk about 40 days for life. With the left now totally in defense of abortion, talking about it constantly because of this Texas law, I think a lot of us find ourselves in heated debate 
sometimes with our friends or our family or our coworkers. Well, 40 Days for Life has just released the perfect book for those looking to arm themselves against a broad range of pro-abortion talking points. This book is called What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion. This book is an easy read for people looking to defend life and convert hearts. A whole lot has changed since the Supreme Court invented the fictional right to abortion in 1973. What to Say When equips readers with proven approaches to dismantling the abortion agenda. These methods have already enabled 40 Days for Life members to convert the hearts of 221 abortion workers. How incredible is that? Know exactly what to say and not to say when abortion comes up. Balance converting hearts with winning arguments and go on the offensive instead of the defensive. It's an invaluable and timely tool. Get your copy now. What to Say When, the complete new guide to discussing abortion, how to change minds and convert hearts in a brave new world. Get free shipping and 21% off a signed hardback at 40daysforlife.com slash what to say when. Rand Paul grills Dr. Fauci, puts him on the spot. He says, did you fund gain-of-function research? Never, no, not in the Wuhan Institute, not anywhere, maybe North Carolina, but really not anywhere. It didn't happen. No way, no, no how. The Intercept just filed a Freedom of Information Act request. It learned through the documents that were released that the NIH, National Institutes of Health, issued a bat coronavirus grant to a group called the EcoHealth Alliance. This was for $3.1 million. It included $599,000 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology used in part to identify and alter bat coronaviruses that were likely to infect humans. This is really bad for Dr. Fauci. In the words of, I mean, you don't need to take my word for it. Well, I'm, I'm not an epidemiologist, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert. But Dr. Richard Ebright, who is a molecular biologist at Rutgers, took a look at these documents. He said, quote, the documents make it clear that assertions by the NIH director, Francis Collins, and the NIAID director, Anthony Fauci, uh, that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancement at the Wuhan Institute of Virology are untruthful. So that was a very diplomatic way of saying Fauci lied. He lied about his role in starting the coronavirus epidemic, potentially. He lied about his role, and why did he lie? If the gain-of-function research going on, if identifying the transmissible bat coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, if that had nothing to do with the outbreak of COVID, then why would Fauci lie about it on national television at the U.S. Capitol before a committee of the United States Senate? Why lie? Why try to cover it up? Seems pretty bad. Speaking of scandals, there's another tough scandal for a very prominent Democrat, for a very prominent left winger. Uh, this is from the HRC, the Human Rights Campaign. The Human Rights Campaign is one of these ridiculously named organizations that is focused specifically on redefining marriage. And then they did redefine marriage. Then they moved on to transgender stuff. It's the, the organization that has the equal sign as the logo. And they really brilliantly redefined the debate over marriage from a question of what is marriage to a question of who has the right to get married. 
presuming their own conclusion that sexual difference has nothing to do with marriage. So they were really brilliant about it. They were very effective in, in getting marriage to be redefined. Uh, the head of that organization now is, has been fired, Alfonso David. He was fired as the president of ARC because of a sex scandal. And unfortunately for this guy, it wasn't even his own sex scandal. <laughs> it was another guy's sex scandal. Uh, this guy, Alfonso David, was implicated in assisting former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo in his attempts to smear the women who accused him of sexual misconduct. Not good when the head of the sexual liberation organization gets caught up in a sex scandal. But this isn't the first time that this has happened to the human rights campaign. This actually happened with the founder of the human rights campaign, a guy by the name of Terry Bean. Mr. Bean in 2014 was charged with sodomy and sex abuse of a 15-year-old boy. Mr. Bean significantly older than 15 years old. Now, this was a bad story, so the media covered it up at the time. A few years ago, it looked like he might get off the hook for this, even though there, it looked as though there was first going to be a settlement between the victim and this guy. Then it looked like he was maybe going to get off the hook, but then he was he was brought up again on the same charges. And then all of his claims of innocence, I think, fell apart when in 2019, September of 2019, Bean's former sexual partner was found, not the 15-year-old, but the other one, his older one, uh, was found guilty of third-degree sodomy and third-degree sexual abuse, which even the Oregonian reported at the time as a blow to Bean's claims of innocence. Um, so, so he was supposed to be put on trial then. The trial was then postponed. They're dragging this thing out because he's politically a very important person for Democrats. This is bad stuff. This is not good. You do, because the, the human rights, I mean, it's, I think, perfectly good for justice that this guy be brought up on, on what he did. But it's, it's really not good for the Democrats' facade, for the, the lobbying efforts, for the human rights campaign and for the left more broadly. Because they, they've got to put out this image that they are the moral ones. They're the good ones. They're the clean and squeaky clean, and they're not. They keep going down on similar scandals, which brings me to a topic. It's very politically incorrect. I don't, I'm not supposed to talk about it. Conservatives are not supposed to raise any objection to this. We're just supposed to move on and it's supposed to be totally fine because we don't want to seem like meanies or anything like that. But I have to talk about it. There was a tweet that came out last week from Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Pete, the man who was almost president. Now he's transportation secretary. And it's Pete Buttigieg and his partner, Chasen. And they're lying in a hospital bed holding two newborn babies. Why are they in a hospital? These are babies that they, it's, it's unclear if they've adopted the babies or if they, the babies were produced in some other way. And they're lying in a hospital bed, which is very strange because they didn't, I, I don't think they gave birth. I don't, listen, I told, I'm no epidemiologist, I'm no biologist, but it would seem strange to me if they gave birth. So Pete tweets out, Jason and I are beyond thankful for all the kind wishes since first sharing the news that we're becoming parents. We're delighted to welcome Penelope Rose and Joseph August Buttigieg to our family. Okay, we're supposed to say this is totally awesome. This is wonderful. Don't raise any questions about it, but we have to raise questions about it. I understand why people don't want to, even why many conservatives don't want to. Because Pete seems like a nice guy. You know, they say they seem like perfectly right upstanding citizens. They just want to be happy. They look so happy. We're pro-life, aren't we? So it's good. And let's just not, I don't, we won't, we don't want to seem like jerks, right? So, but we do have to think more seriously about bioethics here, okay? Because 
in making Pete and Chasen happy, we are robbing two babies of their mother, either of their natural mother or of a potential adoptive mother. Don't forget, in this country, there are an estimated 36 couples for every, who are attempting to adopt for every one baby put up for adoption. There is no shortage of couples trying to adopt in this country, okay? There is a shortage of people who want to adopt older children who were, say, taken out of abusive homes or, you know, children who are 12 or 13 years old who are in foster care. That's a separate issue. We're talking about infants, babies. There were 36 couples trying to adopt every baby there. And now there is a battle going on between whether or not you're allowed to take into consideration the circumstances of the potential adoptive parents. Is there a distinction to be made between a husband and a wife who are married and a single mother, for instance? Should both of those types of people be treated equally when they're trying to adopt? I don't think so. I think it's better for the baby to have a mother and a father. What about a mother and a father and a mother and a mother? Or a mother and a father and a father and a father? Should both of those types of couples be treated equally? I don't think so because I think men and women actually are different. And I think both actually have something to contribute to raising a a child. And I think that we erase women or we erase men when we say it doesn't matter. There's, there's no difference. It's, it's all just the same. You're just parent number one and parent number two. And furthermore, there's no evidence that they actually adopted. We don't know that it's adoption. It may have just been that they went through a, a, clinical process of in vitro fertilization, whereby they shopped for an egg and they purchased an egg from one woman and then they rented the womb of another woman. And then they intentionally deprived a child of his natural mother, two children, potentially. That's really bad too, folks. And I'm glad that it put a smile on Pete Buttigieg's face. I, I actually am. I'm not even, I'm not even being facetious here. But there are other bioethical concerns here. And what, when we just accept this willy-nilly, what we are saying effectively is there's no role for a mother in a child's life. It's all just the same. There's no difference between men and women. And okay, sure, maybe the child will never, never get to hold his mother. And anyone who's ever had a kid can see the difference, okay, between a kid re- reacting to his mother and a kid reacting to his father. And he needs both. And it's a fallen world. And sometimes a mother dies and sometimes a father dies. And sometimes kids are robbed of these things. But we don't need to encourage that. Certainly not to satisfy our own longings that, that for whatever reason, are, are not being fulfilled. That, that, is, that is not an ethical thing to do. That's not a moral thing to do. And as, I guess this relates to the abortion debate in as much as it's very easy to ignore what is best for someone who cannot express himself like an unborn baby or like a little, a little newborn baby for that matter. But we really ought to take that into consideration. Unfortunately, our society doesn't think that way anymore. That's not, that's not the way we look. And, and, and increasingly, the society is very intolerant of the traditional viewpoints of basically everyone on earth that says, hmm, maybe this isn't the best thing. We can't see clearly because we don't have blue blocks glasses. I love blue blocks. Blue, not only because they make me look like Rachel Maddow, but because uh, blue blocks block the blue light that damages our eyes and that can lead to digital eye strain. Seriously, I, I no longer, <laughs> in almost any circumstance, will look at a screen that's got blue light coming out all the time. It's, it's a real problem. It leads to a lot of eye strain, blurred vision, headaches, dry, watery eyes. Don't do it. 
This can cause anxiety, depression, low energy. I know it sounds crazy, but just trust me. Try out Blue Blocks. They are evidence-backed. They're made under uh, optics laboratory conditions in Australia. They're created with high-quality lenses for daytime, nighttime, and color therapy. Exactly in line with the suggested peer-reviewed academic literature. They got over 40 frames, so if you don't want the mat out, you can get get another one too. They come with a prescription. Uh, Go to blueblocks.com slash Knowles right now. Use promo code Knowles at checkout. Get 20% off and enjoy free shipping on orders over 115 bucks. Get your energy back, sleep better, block out the unhealthy effects of blue light. Be just like me. Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash Knowles, or click the link below. Make sure you use code Knowles to get 20% off your order. Free shipping on orders over 115 bucks. B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash Knowles for 20% off today. Also, you got to subscribe to Morning Wire. Right now, subscribe and start listening to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. It's a terrific show. We'll be right back with a lot more. The European Union right now is threatening to withhold $150 million from Poland. And it's all over this same issue that keeps cropping up. The sexual revolution. So Poland recently, a number of areas in Poland, areas and towns, have said that they're free of the LGBTQ ideology. They're not saying they're free of gay people. They're not saying they're they're persecuting people who have different sexual desires and, and behaviors and things like that. They're just saying the LGBT ideology, the ideology that says that there's no difference between men and women, the ideology that says that you must pursue any desire you have whatsoever, the ideology that says that you're not allowed to hold anything resembling a traditional view of marriage or sexuality, we're ridding ourselves of that in favor of something else. Poland is a Catholic country, traditionally. At the fall of the Soviet Union, what was one of the big events that caused the fall of the Soviet Union? Pope John Paul II shows up and in this Soviet occupied, awful, you know, poor oppressed people, a million people show up and set chant, we want God, we want God. This is a place, this is a place that has been saving Western civilization going back to the Battle of Vienna at least. <laughs> okay. And what they're saying is, look, we, we have this view that's a Christian view. And so we don't want to have the view that's this radical leftist view. And now the European Union which is a liberal empire. It's not a Christian empire. It's a liberal empire. Is saying, okay, then we're going to cut you off. 150 million euro, we're not, we're not doing it. This is uh, relating to what we were talking about with Afghanistan. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of conservatives who said we should pull out of Afghanistan because we don't know what we're doing there. What are we doing? And it brought up a debate over nationalism versus imperialism. Are we just going to focus at home? Are we going to spread our empire abroad? And then even on the empire, what is our empire? I think it's a liberal empire. I think it's about, you, you know, pride flags in Kandahar. I think it's about, that's, that's what it became. It became about all these sort of liberal ideas. And people don't like that. Afghanistan, I don't think, likes that very much. The Taliban certainly don't like that. I think the Taliban are finally going to lose the support of liberals. Do you know why? Not because of what they're doing to women or not even, not because of what they're doing to Americans or anything like that. 
They, they committed an unforgivable sin. The Taliban painted over a mural of George Floyd. They did. Oh, you, oh, you're, <laughs> we're probably going to end up nuking the Taliban before the day is through. You can't, you can do a lot, but you can't paint over a mural of George, St. George. No. There, there's actually a very good reason why they're painting over the mural. I mean, it's funny that they, it's ridiculous that there are murals to George Floyd, but the reason they're painting over the mural is because George Floyd is a, is a symbol of Western imperialism. Crazy as that is to say. George Floyd and the rainbow flag, which they flew over the embassy in Kabul, those are the new symbols of Western empire. And we think that's weird here in the West because in many ways, those are symbols that are meant to undermine the Christian West. The, the George Floyd mural, the BLM ideology is, is a, an ideology that states that the West is evil, right? The pride f- flag is a, is a symbol that says that Christianity is wrong. It's a symbol that says that our traditional views of sex are wrong. And yet, those are both still symbols of the West. They're not associated with any other civilization. And they're making universal claims about every place on earth, including Afghanistan, which is why they don't like it. No doubt CNN is going to accuse the Taliban of white supremacy. They, they, these these Pashtun militants, they're such white, Pashtun white supremacists. Well, they actually are making that argument indirectly right now. CNN had a piece out. This is a real doozy. If, I don't recommend people go look at CNN usually, but you gotta, you gotta look at this one. White supremacy with a tan. That's the title of it. You saw the, the first volley a couple of weeks ago when the LA Times called Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> And now CNN is getting on board and they're saying that uh, white supremacy is just so embedded in the fabric of America that even when black people get a lot of political power more than they have now, it will still be white supremacy. They said, quote, don't ever underestimate white supremacy's ability to adapt. The assumption that more racial diversity equals more racial equality is a dangerous myth. Racial diversity can function as a cloaking device concealing the most powerful forms of white supremacy while giving the appearance of racial progress. Racism will likely be just as entrenched in a, in a browner America as it is now. It will still be white supremacy with a tan. So you see, even if every political office is held by black people, even if whites are second or third class citizens, even if America knocks down every statue of every white person and all the statues are black. Even then, it will be white supremacy. White supremacy through black people. This is sort of like Joe Biden's climate change claim, right? Joe Biden says, look, climate change is so bad, we can't even stop it. If climate change is already here, we're living in it. Oh, okay, then who cares? Then who cares? There's nothing to do right? It's Joe Biden undermining his own argument. Okay. There's not, that's just the way it is. There is, it is unfixable, irredeemable. It's done. Okay. All right. Then whatever, man, it's weight off my shoulders. I don't need to worry about recycling anymore or anything because it's already here. So who cares? I guess the same is true of white supremacy. There is, according to CNN, literally nothing you can do. You can kill all the white people. You can 
give all of their property and all of their power to black people. It will still be white supremacy. Okay, so I'm just not worried about it then because there's nothing we can do. Of course, I mean, it's preposterous, but this actually, the the phrase critical race theory is somewhat overused, but this is a good example of critical race theory because critical race theory is is a Marxist lens to attack all of American and really Western history. And it's really tied up also in in economics. So, so some of the foundational essays of critical race theory will say that our system of private property in the United States is part of white supremacy, right? Communist systems, not white supremacist, but capitalism, white supremacist. And they put that in the CNN article too. They say, quote, Cuba also has a complex history with race. Racism is often described as a relic of capitalism in the communist countries. This is very funny because Cuba is pretty racist. <laughs> okay. I've visited Cuba. I love Cuba, but it's, you know, they don't, there's, there are sexual, ten, there are sexual, there are racial tensions there as well, but it's a communist country and it has been for 60 years. So, huh? What's going on there? Oh, okay. It's, a, that's why it's a relic of capitalism. Oh, okay. All the bad stuff is a relic of capitalism. All the good stuff is part of communism. All the bad stuff in society is white people, even when there are no white people left. And all the the good stuff is black people, even if white people did some of it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Is this persuading anybody? Is anybody looking at this article and saying, yes, Larry Elder, he is, he is a Klansman. He is just like Robert Byrd, Senator Byrd, who was a Democrat, but who was secretly a Republican, probably. Does anyone buy that? I I can't imagine that they do. And I I think the Democrats actually are getting a little bit nervous here. Gavin Newsom facing, you know, a recall threat from that black face of white supremacy. Last month, he spent more than $36 million fighting this recall effort. This included a ton of TV ads. I'm talking to my friends who are, who are in California. They're being inundated with Gavin Newsom ads, a lot of phone banking, a lot of door knocking, a lot of texting. The five top Republicans who are running to replace Newsom and the pro-recall committees combined spent less than a third as much over the same period of time. They also face certain limits on their spending, whereas Gavin Newsom does not. That's one way in which the election is rigged. So he obviously is worried, as he should be. And by the way, there there are so much rigging going on right now in the California election. So you've seen the ballots that went out with holes poked in them, and the holes are presumably or ostensibly for sorting purposes or whatever, for some security measure that eludes a lot of people. But the way that the circles that are punched out are aligned on the envelope they go exactly over the yes circle for yes, recall Governor Newsom. So if someone votes to recall Newsom, in many cases, you can see it from from the outside of the envelope. Just a coincidence, I'm sure, right? I, I know many people personally who have gotten multiple ballots because of widespread automatic mail-in in this election. I think I, I got a ballot, I believe. A number of my friends who have moved to Tennessee who have, who have requested not to receive a ballot, they've received ballots too because the Democrats are trying to cheat. And even still, they're terrified they're going to lose. Why? Because the Democrats generally are collapsing in terms of public opinion. Joe Biden's approval ratings are in free fall in not just, not just nationally, but in seven key congressional districts. 
This is uh, really bad. This is according to a poll from the American Action Network uh, that, that Americans are really not pleased with this. And seven key districts is very important because we're not just looking at the recall in California right now. We're not just looking at 2024. We're looking at 2022. If Republicans can take back the House and hopefully the Senate, but even just the House, then, then much of the Biden agenda is dead. The most radical aspects of it are dead. Much like some have suggested the president seems to be. <laughs> it, it's over, there's, no, there's no chance that they will pass. So, so this is their last shot to make things happen. And unfortunately, the Democrats' agenda right now is not very popular. Now, the, the, the key question is going to be, will the elections be fair? Will they be free? Will they be fair? in 2022. The elections were not fair in 2020. The Democrats rigged the elections by taking away election integrity measures. Okay. Even the Republicans who say it was not stolen, nothing was stolen. Don't ever say it was stolen. It was totally fair. Biden Biden got all all the votes in the history of the world. Even those Republicans who are very insistent that the election was not stolen will admit, especially if you ask them privately, uh, it was obviously rigged in Pennsylvania, they violated the state constitution to conduct the election. They sent out the widespread mail-in votes, which even Obama said is, is a, a grave threat to election integrity. Some places, poll watchers were not allowed a ton of access. The, the, the count was halted. It was strange. It took days and weeks. There was double counting that went on just in Georgia, just in the one place we looked for it. So yeah, there were big problems, of course. Good news on that front too. Texas just passed an election integrity bill. The bill... Uh, it just instituted a ban on drive-through voting, just instituted a ban on round-the-clock voting, added an ID requirement for mail-in and absentee ballots, that's good, established a training program for poll watchers who can now be more active in monitoring the process. They don't have to just stay locked in their chair. It requires the Texas Secretary of State to maintain consistently updated voter rolls so that when people leave Texas, very few people are doing that today anyway, but you see it in California, when people leave a state, they're not permitted to continue to receive a vote, to, to continue to receive a ballot. This is good. If anything, I think that this election integrity bill is a little too modest. I wish it went much further. What it did is restore common sense election integrity measures that we had even a couple of years ago in most places. But it's a good start. If we can have measures like that throughout the country, then I think that it'll be much harder for Democrats to cheat. I think if the election is free and fair in 2022, I think Republicans are going to do extremely well. Even on the allegedly controversial issues, like the Texas abortion law, even on those issues, the Republican policies are pretty popular. There's another poll out. You know, I'm I'm always skeptical of polls, especially because most polls skew Democrat because social science and statistics generally skews in that direction. It comes from, statistics come from statism, right? From the state, but neither here nor there. I'll, I'm happy to cite polls when they back up what I'm, what I'm hoping for. And there's a poll in Texas that shows that the plurality of voters support the Texas abortion law. According to a Rasmussen survey, Rasmussen is a right-leaning poll firm, but they got a great record. A plurality of voters support the pro-life law in Texas. So that's 46% support the law compared to 43% who oppose the law. This is mostly on party lines, so 70% of Republicans support it, 69% of Democrats oppose it, and a plurality of independents support it as well, 44%. So we're not saying it's the majority, 
It'd be better if it were the majority, but it is the plurality. In terms of opinions on the law, the pro-life, the pro-life, pro-pro-life law position contains the most people. And so in that environment, the left's only option is to censor, to censor and cheat. And that's what they're doing right now. Twitter just suspended the official press account of J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance is running for Senate in Ohio. He's running on a very trad conservative platform. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. He's the author of Hillbilly Elegy, and he's ditching the kind of Chamber of Commerce, Wall Street, you know, just lower taxes and let, let the left run the culture kind of talking points that we've heard from Republicans over recent decades. He's leaning much more into social issues, much more into cultural issues, much more into a working class appeal. People are accusing J.D. Vance of being inauthentic here. I'm not making a comment one, one way or the other. I'm just pointing out that's where his campaign is going. And the left sees that as the genuine threat. The left is not threatened by libertarians. The left is not threatened by neoconservatives. They're just not. Because in many ways, they, share this, they all share the same premises. The left is threatened by a traditional conservative appeal to the American people, to the, to the American worker in particular. So they boot him off. JD's personal account is still up there, but the press account is gone. JD says, no warning, no explanation of what rules I allegedly broke, but this is what happens when we allow five companies to control what we're allowed to say. And he's right. He's right. And you kind of knew that this would happen, by the way. So there are the court jester conservatives, the, the dweebs who say, well, just build your own Twitter. Well, what, if you, you don't like that Google is controlling our, all of the speech in our public square? Um, well, uh, maybe you should build your own Google, even though Google, by the way, is, is like part of the government. <laughs> okay, the, Google and the government have many business interests together. They, the government has helped to fund parts of Google. Google is operating as a sort of proxy arm of the government, especially with regard to censorship. So if you run for office, but you don't threaten any of the entrenched interests, even as a Republican, you're probably fine. You're a clown, but you're, you know, you'll be fine in terms of pushback. But if you run and you actually threaten these companies and these entrenched interests, then they're going to go after you. JD put it well. He said, I'm a Senate candidate in Ohio. This was my campaign account. To me, this is election interference, a multinational corporation making it harder for me to communicate with the people of Ohio. Absolutely true. You saw this happen on January 7th when Twitter and Facebook and Google censored even the duly elected sitting president of the United States, showing where power really lies in this country. An important part of my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. I, I also have to mention another book, by the way. This has been a big year for me and books with words. <laughs> Before that, I was only focused on books without words, but uh, now I'm focused on books with words. Uh, I was very honored to be asked to write the introduction to God and Man at Yale. God and Man at Yale is uh, the first book by William F. Buckley Jr. It is widely credited with starting the conservative movement. It's an attack on atheism and communism in the academy. It's sort of the OG book on this topic. The subtitle is The Superstitions of Academic Freedom. It's a, it's a terrific book. And I was very, very honored to be able to, to write the introduction to the 70th anniversary edition. Uh, to me, this, this is very encouraging for the conservative movement because it shows that 
I think the, con- the conservative movement broadly is recognizing the errors of the past couple decades. We're seeing we need to return to tradition. We need to return to a, a more muscular, beefy, substantive conservatism. And so I'm, I'm really honored and happy to be part of that. You can get that book right now. Amazon is not really letting it show up in the search results too much. So if you want to get it, I've got links on my Twitter and, and things like that. But you can also, uh, if you search it on Amazon, God and Man at Yale, uh, just when you t- t- order the search, you know, instead of, you know, order price low to high, price high to low, order, you know, average reviews, click on newest arrivals. And then that'll pop up to the top. It's shipping right now. Really uh, happy to do it. Great, great admirer of of, uh, Bill Buckley. So I'm I'm really pleased about all of that. Uh, So that's, that's where the conservative movement stands. Very excited, very encouraging, but we've still got a huge uphill battle because the left is going to try to cheat, though we're fighting back on that with election integrity laws. The left is going to try to censor we're fighting back on that by trying to rein in these corporations. Finally, will we be successful? We'll find out. And the other way they try to cheat is by flooding the country with illegal aliens. But even that is not going particularly well for Democrats. It's, it's difficult to date and identify the remains of people who died trying to sneak into our country. But it appears that 2020 the last year of the Trump administration was the deadliest year in the history of the southern border until this past year. The the Border Patrol agents have have already found 253 people near the U.S.-Mexico border. That's, uh, that was last year rather. This year they've already found, just through July, they found 383 people. That's a 151% increase. The year isn't even close to done yet. That's really bad news for Biden because at least Trump was trying to reduce the number of illegal aliens coming through. Joe Biden is trying to increase it. He's encouraging people to come across and has encouraged people to come across. And this is supposed to be nice, right? This is supposed to be compassionate. Doesn't look compassionate to me. You've got the decomposing bodies of illegal aliens coming through, desperate people coming through because crass and opportunistic and cynical politicians like Joe Biden are calling for it. Do you think that's going to look good? I don't think so. I think it's another optics failure for the Biden administration. And it's an optics failure because, not because it's giving the appearance of something that isn't true. It's because we're seeing the reality of what these policies look like. A total failure on every count. Really bad news for Biden. Sad for America right now, but potentially encouraging for the future. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Matt Walsh Show, a new report reveals that men have abandoned the university system. Why has this happened? I think I know why, and I'll explain. Also, Satanists are coming to the defense of abortion rights. What does that tell us? And in our daily cancellation, we'll have another exciting reverse cancellation. Apparently, some people are upset 
because I said that females should be football analysts. That's upset a lot of people. We'll talk about that uh, today along with much more on The Matt Walsh Show.